0: So welcome to another episode of Slightly Mental Podcast. Today I have with me a massive legend, my good friend and amazing coach, Natalie Lockyer. Hello, Nat. How are you today?
1: Um, Today I'm actually really good. Yeah.
0: Awesome. I'm happy to hear that.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, me too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a good. That's a good start <laughs> to the conversation. Woo! Everybody is okay. I was thinking about questions and what I want to talk about with you. And I couldn't help to start reminiscing about how we have met and our first coffee together in Costa Coffee. Do you remember?
1: Yeah, I do. <laughs> you were quite funny, actually. I don't uh, think...
0: Was I? Thank you.
1: Yeah. Well, you're always funny. Oh, really? I not I... think you quite knew what to make of me straight away, did you?
0: Yeah. And I was thinking to choose, I was thinking how would I choose the right word to describe what I thought about you? And I think inconspicuous would be a good word. <laughs> I hope it's not offensive, but
1: inconspicuous mean, and in like so, I stood out. In what way? I mean, I wasn't. I think I was in a bright pink dress that so might have done it.
0: <laughs> no, but when we met, I, uh, you know, we sort of, uh, you know, you're not the tallest person. Let's put it that way, and uh, yeah, so we've met, and and you kind of you kind of have this sort of in, innocent aura about you. But then we started talking about you having actually black belt in jiu-jitsu and have been running four gyms. I'm like, fuck me, she's got some balls. And then you said, yes, but I carry them on my chest, which was the funniest thing <laughs> Yeah. That was awesome. I
1: think that's about, the, that's the thing that kind
0: of won won me over. Um, Sorry, just one
1: moment. I've got a light that's flickering and I'm not sure Yeah, why. no
0: worries, go for it. Give him a smack.
1: Yeah, you might just um, might just unplug it. There you go. Um, sorry about that. I have to edit it That's out. Right. <laughs> Life happens. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I I remember you saying, "Oh, you've got some balls." And in most polite company, I can't normally say my response. But I guess I learned that quite young on the mats. Yeah. To in the dojo, whereas training is <laughs> yeah sure but like genuinely i, I saw this quote once and i loved it and it was um you know god made my balls so big they couldn't fit between my legs they had to go on again um and i think it's so true like you know i, I love it when people kind of come up and go all again and you wouldn't really understand this is like a, a conversation about being tough or about fighting, yeah. and i'm like yeah cool okay let's uh let's fight then what what are the rules <laughs> not expecting it and I think then it opens people up to um seeing things in a different light because you've instantly challenged their assumptions and I quite like opening that door for them where they're now open to possibilities to-
0: No, definitely. Straight after that I knew that you are my kind of people. So and and from that point onward, I think we we had quite a good sort of relationship. We've done some work together, which is not a secret. We've done some workshops together. I know that you even tried to dress me up as a fairy during the one of the (laughs) workshops. I can't even I can't actually remember if you managed to make me wear those wings or not, but I
1: don't think I made you, Sam. I think you put them on because they were wings, they were sparkly and you were feeling silly.
0: Now the secret is out. But when you arrive to the venue and open the boot of your car, I'm like, what the heck? Is, are we doing a car boot sale? Because you had so many toys and books and everything. I'm like, wow, this is, she's serious. She means business. I'm
1: serious about play. Yes, yeah. I am. Um, so this was the mental health workshop we did, I think, yeah, 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 last year because it was on Chinese hmm. New Year last year, wasn't it? Hmm? And um, we called it Shut Up and Talk because yeah. people having honest conversations about mental health. And yeah, I think I I really think if we take ourselves too seriously, it's very important to be serious. But I think we take ourselves too seriously. I mean, even in martial arts, it really taught me the most serious stuff. You know, like when you pull a knife out and stuff, we start off with rubber knives and you play, you make it a game. Because otherwise you're going to absolutely freak out because it's scary stuff. So I think when we like, when we talk about mental health, for me, the same philosophy is you've got to make it fun to start with to make everybody comfortable to then be able to go into the serious stuff because otherwise it's just this really big black looming thing and everybody's getting uncomfortable everybody's trying to talk about stuff they're not sure how to talk about it and you know laughter is I think a great way of releasing that as well as crying if you want to do some crying do some crying but I like laughter quite a lot I think accessing that inner child allows you to escape a little bit as well so
0: yeah, this this could be very visible whenever we were preparing any workshops <laughs> together. It was just a fucking giggle fest and we didn't do much work. And then lastminute.com. Yeah. Um no, but I agree with you. And when we when we started that workshop, it starts off with everybody sharing their deep experience with mental health and anxiety and, and suicidal thoughts and stuff like that. But then in the during the break, everybody runs around and blows bubbles, and you think, whoa, what just happened here? Yeah. It's a really good approach. So how are you dealing how are you dealing with the current situation with COVID?
1: Um, yeah. Well, so I said I'm having a good day today. I am, but actually I was um, I had to take half day sick yesterday. Um, more mental sickness, but it's manifesting physically because I'm exhausted yeah. and I don't know about anyone else, but I'm looking around at my colleagues and I'm in a very conscientious workplace. I've got people, you know, I'm part of a well being Mitty. We've got people who really care about their staff, and I'm just still seeing really tired people. I'm seeing tired people like when I'm calling them for clients, I'm seeing tired people when I'm calling them for friends, and I'm seeing a tired person in the mirror. And um, it's, it's been tough because, like, normally I'm out dancing and I mm. go to the gym in the mornings, I'm a very social person. And I like my own company as well. I need time alone, but I, I, I love being around people and I'm finding it really, really hard, really, really, really tough. Um, and it's meaning also I'm letting my boundaries with my work, my day job, slip. So I've had quite a few weeks where, well, a lot of weeks where I've done overtime.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, I've actually been talking to a coach that the company of, provided again the company really care um and she's like well, what's one of the reasons you're doing this and you have to like we're trained right as coaches we're trained to be quite honest with ourselves and go well honestly like although it's horrible doing these long hours and i don't want to be doing it it's better than the other one which is i now can't do anything i finished work what's next like i can clean the house i cleaned my spice cupboard out the other day I'm still quite excited when I open it. It's all organized and I can see everything. And I clean the baking covered out. But there's only so much of that you can do. Yeah. And I love everybody's like, oh, live your best life, la, la, la. You know, learn stuff. This is a perfect opportunity. It was like, honestly to God, you, it's all right to feel, um, I'm going to swear, because you do, it's your podcast. You can edit it out.
0: Yeah, fucking go for it. It's
1: all right to feel shit. It's all right to say, I'm tired for no reason. It's all right to say, actually, I really hate this um and not be living your best life and not learning 101 things and not doing all these online courses because you're just so fed up of seeing the screen um and one of the things that's really how which is going to sound silly is like i've gone and bought a couple of like really rubbish board games like really cheap tacky ones and being able to play them with my partner and it's just meant there's been spontaneity coming in and i think that for me is so vital because otherwise it's just the two of you in a house or we're bubbling so sometimes we're alone and um there's nothing new coming in
0: yeah
1: and i'm getting excited when the bin man comes and takes my bins or <laughs> the postman arrives and you know you're, like, you're running up to the door and you're grabbing the post before it's even finished and you're like oh my gosh i've just turned into an abdor puppy <laughs> like you know on the on the post because it's something new it's yeah.
0: something different I'm definitely with you. Every time I get a parcel, I'm like, ah, it's Christmas again. <laughs> yeah, right. Amazon man. Hello. <laughs>
1: and and I know my people now. I know my Hermes person, and I know my Amazon person, and I know my Royal Mail person. And, like, should I actually have gone to the shop to get some food and I'm out, he actually knows where to put the parcel as well because <laughs> we've had oh. enough chats. We're just like, his round must take so long now because everybody wants to talk. <laughs> <laughs>
0: nice i, I I'm, I'm guessing that very soon domino's will uh invite me to become part of the family because i see their delivery guys so often and, uh, yeah it's my weak spot now because it's so easy to order pizza and as you say there's not many different things coming into life so you try to break the mold a little bit and but being stuck in one uh, one space it's really challenging especially we have been locked up the majority of the last year so Yeah, really challenging. I want to talk a little bit about your story with mental health. Um, How what sort of conditions did you suffer with and how it all started? Uh, If you could talk about this, that'd be awesome.
1: Yeah, Yeah, sure. I mean, so I'm going to start with I've never been formally diagnosed with anything. Mm -hmm. So I think that's important to say because when we're sharing our own stories, it's so easy to compare to other people. Yeah. When we're listening to stories it's so easy to compare. And I think it's really important to know that like, it's good to share our stories so we can hear similarities. It's also good to understand there's always going to be differences. So I also think if you've had a formal diagnosis, um, there's definitely different ways of treating that. That said, I have done like the, had score for depression and could quite easily have been diagnosed with moderate to severe depression at several points in my life. I've just um, not, because I've not wanted to go down a medication route and because I've known enough how to go to other other places to get support. But I do think it's really important, you know, if you don't know that or you're not sure where to start, it's good to go talk to a doctor. But yeah, so I would say, generally speaking, like if you asked me most of the time in most of my life, I'd have said I was like a happy person. You know, I love people. I love doing things. um, I love adventure. And I think life is to be lived and enjoyed. And I think it's a wonderful thing to have. Um, And I've never really had suicidal ideation or anything like that. But there have definitely been points when I've been very low and I noticed these coming out of like teenage years and then growing up, but it really, really came to a forefront after quite a challenging 12 to 18 months. Um it started off with my nan going into hospital all of a sudden having massive stroke. We didn't think she'd make it. Um she did, bless her, she lasted another six years. Sadly she passed away um earlier last year. Um And then I was trying to buy a house at the time as well. I bought my house and three days before I exchanged, my mum's partner passed away and he'd been like a dad to me since I was 12, so for about a good 12, 13 years. And it was unexpected. And then nine months after that, my dad passed away from cancer and he'd had that for eight years. And um, I think you think you're going to know more. I found it really hard. I expected to know with dad, I expected to know, get people here, get people around the bedside. And I think his girlfriend knew, cause she said to me, I think, I think I've just said goodbye to him. But the hospital never said, call people. The mm-hmm. hospital never said, you might wanna get people here. So I didn't, I let people know he was in hospital. And it sounds weird because you're like, oh, your dad's really ill and he's in hospital. But because of what he had, he was in hospital a lot. He'd he'd had lots of visits. He'd had lots of times. Um, And sadly, he passed away quite quickly after going into hospital. And that was really tough. And that was when I was doing my black belt grading as well. Mm -hmm. And I was doing it because he wanted to see me in the black belt. Um, (laughs) So. (laughs) <laughs> I remember once I was trying to do a pre-grading which is like an exam before an exam with martial arts and just crying like I just couldn't it martial arts takes you so close to the core of your being which is one of the things I love about it but when there's something that big there there's just so much grief there like I couldn't and I remember all the guys trying to be supportive and i like surely getting angry and hitting stuff will help i was like no i'm not angry i'm just really sad you know like i'd accepted that he unfortunately with his condition you know he was going to pass away it was just so sad when it happened and they just didn't know how to support me they you know i went outside of this school in this like white pyjama suit and a brown belt on and everybody's like beating each other up with chairs and swords and knives and I'm like just sat on this bench crying (laughs) and nobody and everybody's more uncomfortable with that than like patching somebody up who's just accidentally walked into something um and yeah after that I had a bit of a challenging relationship as well with somebody who had their own pain to deal with and didn't know how to communicate it, and my coping strategies for that weren't great, and it led to, I wouldn't say abusive, very neglectful relationship, one that was like maybe emotionally abusive to us both. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> um, I ended up about a year after that, in a culture and a workplace that was just not good. Um, there was a boss who didn't know how to say no, they meant well, they were a very lovely human being, they weren't a bad human being, Um, but they literally admitted to wanting to please everyone, and of course you can't do that, you can't do that in a workplace, you know, you have to say no at some point, all your staff are overworked, and your deadlines aren't met, and all these things, and I went from working in one of the best teams I've ever worked in, Working in one of the most broken teams I've ever worked in. And it wasn't just the boss, it was lots of things, but we lost a lot of people. And it got to a point one summer in like 2018, um, just something else had not gone right in work. And I, at the age of, I think I was like, what was I, I think 32, um, professional, doing very well in my career, and I, I got to a point where I laid down under a desk and cried in an open plan office because I couldn't make it to the bathroom. And, you know, I'd like to say that that was the first time I felt that way. But there were other times I'd made it to the bathroom quite a few in that year. Um, <laughs> so it was, it was quite bad and it was just overwhelming. Um, and it was this utter lack of, of of feeling like I could advocate for myself, of feeling like I could say no of feeling like i could say this is what's on my plate and this is what i can deal with and this is what i need somebody else to deal with because there's just no one in my corner that's what it felt like and i remember there were two people who approached me whilst i'm lying at this desk and you know you're in an open plan office full of very professional people yeah. in suits and ties and they're all medical based people as well and, and they're like oh feelings things what are they and um <laughs> one person comes up to me and is like, are you okay? <laughs> I'm like literally lying under this desk crying my eyes up, having like, I don't know, a, a, as close as I would call it a, a mental breakdown, I mean, you know, um, everybody has their own version, but I'm literally envisaging like quitting by throwing food at people and all this kind of thing. And um, I'm like, well, I don't think I'm okay, I'm lying under a desk crying, like, <laughs> what part of that tells you I'm okay? <laughs> And I'm laughing now because what? What else can you do? This person clearly wanted to approach me, but did not know how, and used probably the worst words. And then there was another very intuitive human being who'd been very supportive before. Then who laid down on the desk with me, looked me in the eye, no judgment, no like, what the are you doing? Um, by the way, you know you're in work. <laughs> um, and just looked me in the eye, laid under this desk with me on the floor, not even blinked about doing it, said, what do you need? And that was absolutely the right thing for me in that moment. And I said, so I need autonomy or I need someone with authority to to tell me what to do. I either need to be able to choose for myself or I need somebody else to advocate for me. But I had, I felt like I had neither. Um. And actually in reality, of course, I had way more aut- autonomy than I thought, but it felt very much like I was between a rock and a hard place and there was nowhere to go. Um, and yeah, that kind of spurred a lot of change going on in me, but it was a really tough time. And you just thought like that might've happened when my mum's partner passed away, that might've happened when my dad passed away, might've happened when I left the abusive relationship, but actually it happened after all of that, and I think those definitely had an effect, definitely led to that point. But because in the workplace, no one was advocating for me, because in the workplace, I was overwhelmed and I couldn't say no. Um, and when I did say no, occasionally stuff would be done or when I said I need help with this, stuff would be done. But I was stuck with some really big projects that weren't going well. I would kind of said, I don't think it's going to go well. I don't think it should be done in this way. Nobody listened. And I just felt unheard, unseen, and unable to make choices for myself. Um, And it affected every aspect of my life. Like, I literally had a housewarming party that summer, because I have one every year, to sort of distract from the anniversary of my my partner's death and celebrate new things as well, because I think it's important. And I'm there with all my friends and family. I'm feeling very loved. and being feeling very supported. And I'm just crying my eyes out. And there wasn't a trigger that day. It's just there were so many deep emotions going on. And I remember my brother and I aren't always close. Mm-hmm. But I remember him giving me a hug, which still gets me. I'm going to be like, oh, bawling my eyes out in a minute. Because he doesn't normally do that. And just said, you've got to leave your job you can't be there. I mean, he then left because he's quite uncomfortable with that stuff and he needed to get home. But afterwards, sent me a really long text message that I still remember. Um, And it gets me still, (laughs) as you can hear. But it's basically the long lines of, no job is worth that. You need to leave. I will support you, which is like, My brothers never offered to support me in that way, like financially. Um, We're all with you. Whatever you've got to do, you've got to leave that job. And it wasn't the first time somebody had said it to me. I'd had my mom, I'd had friends, I'd had really close friends saying it. But I think it was somebody who wouldn't normally reach out and saying that made me realise something's got to change. Um, And you can hear how strong that emotion was because, like. It just gets me every time. And I think it was such a significant thing for him to send such a deep message. Um, and there were other bits that I'm not gonna talk about in there because I don't have his permission to share, but he shared some deep stuff as well. And I think that um it just made me realize how bad it was if he was willing to share that much for me and to reach out on that way. And yeah, I was like, well, of all the things I've gone through you know, and other people have gone through bigger things. Some people have gone through smaller things. But of all the things I found challenging, of all the loss I've had recently, it's a job that's breaking me. And that's not okay. So, yeah, there was a lot of stuff after that that led me to where I am um, and to being a lot more resilient. But it doesn't mean I don't have... Low days now, and it doesn't mean I don't have challenging days now, and I think they're part, of course. But I find them easier to bounce back from most of the time now.
0: Wow, there's some really deep stuff coming out. Thank you very much for sharing. <laughs>
1: so you're gonna go um, deep. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, I'm. I'm just sitting here trying to hold it in as well. <laughs> um, but your brother was was right, hundred percent. It's very. It's a very wise message. No job is worth that. Uh, your me- mental breakdown and your mental health and your even physical health. So we can we can say that that sort of being close to that breakdown, nervous breakdown, and that moment where you were sitting under the desk that was, in a way, a turnaround point for you, wasn't it?
1: It's, it's a very clear point, yeah. If you were to look at one of the worst moments, um, there were a couple of others as well, but yeah, that was for me what I would define as breaking point definitely there are a few other breaking points after that but that's like the one for me that's like started turning things
0: I think I think the sad part of that story is that I think it's a case in many organizations still that you know mental health is just a fad and and it doesn't matter and uh, keep your keep your personal problems at home which is the biggest bullshit you can hear because, sorry, my phone. <laughs> I need to call my mom. <laughs> but you know all the bullshit that the keep your keep your problems at home. It it you know you're the same person. So, what would you say would have to be in place in that moment where you have been, where, what kind of support should have been there for you to be able to get through that moment?
1: Yeah. So. The funny thing is I wouldn't say there was any one person in that organization that was being horrible or being unhuman or didn't care in their own way. I think everybody did and I think that's almost harder when you're like well this person's checked in with me and there were mental health first aiders. I was aware there were people there but I think this is the other thing. It's like I was like, oh, but I'm not depressed. I'm not suicidal. I'm okay. Like I have nothing, you know. I haven't had anything recently that I should go to this person for. Which obviously was not the truth. <laughs> but <laughs> I think it's a little bit like you know, you get a, p- a paper cut on your finger. You don't go to your first aider in work, right? Do you? Yeah. First day, no. Um. But if somebody's just passed out down the stairs well, where I worked, we worked with medics, so I'd run and get a medic rather than the first aider, but you know, you run and get someone, but somebody else is running and getting that person for you and then they approach and say, hey, can I, I'm a first aider, can I help? So unless you have that moment and even there, nobody went and got me in mental health first aider. But I just, I think I even continued working. I just went to the bathroom, we all ignored it. I came back, I can't remember to be honest with you. Um, so the people cared they just didn't know how to deal with it so i think rather than going oh i've got mental health first aiders tick box done i think mm-hmm. everyone should have basic training yeah and i'm not saying that just because you know you facilitate training i genuinely think everyone should have training i've learned so much over the past few years of how to approach other people um and the language to use and you know i did training with you before christmas and i learned stuff there still and i think it's a continual process again i don't think it's well i've done the training tick that's done i don't need to do it for another few years i think it's conversations you need to be having all the time and the problem is people don't see the business need um And the other thing is, if somebody approaches you and says, I'm not coping, I need X, Y, Z, you need to listen to that because that takes a lot of courage. And I had been articulate in that. Um, The problem was there were so many things going wrong in that department at the time. It felt like, oh, well, it's someone complaining or oh, they're not coping with their job. And there were people looking back who had tried to help me and I hadn't realised it. I think you need to be, you need to have brave organizations and Brenny Brown talks about this a lot. You need to be brave enough to have an honest conversation with people. I think everybody needs the basic skills of knowing how to talk about mental health, of spotting people who are not doing okay. Um, One of mine was I became a lot more social which people think oh it's about withdrawal it's not always I became very social I was talking to everybody in that building because I didn't want to be at my desk I didn't want to be trapped yeah um so I think yeah, training for everyone I think hosting supportive stuff there was an employee assistance program so there was six months of counseling they basically told me to leave the job or to go off sick long term I felt like going off sick was quitting and not being loyal um and possibly belying people who really in my mind really were sick and really needed the sick leave i didn't believe this was the right thing to do looking back i totally should have done it um but these are the stories we tell ourselves right you know hey i am a black belt i know how to fight people i'm strong yeah. i'm brave i'm all right
0: i'm tough i'm strong enough i can do yeah. it on my own i don't need any help
1: yeah or like you know i'm not that bad um it needs to go to people who really need it all of that um so I, it's a subtle thing but i think you need to weave it into your day-to-day training you need to weave it into the house development plans you need to weave it into the culture of the business where humans come first and i think in an odd way lockdown has facilitated some of that and has taken or challenged some of that as well. Yeah um because we've taken off this mask we've seen inside people's homes we've seen you know we've run big board meetings in doctor who t-shirts with cats walking through and children asking us what more than and less than is and it's
0: yeah.
1: you know, like joining in and helping because we understand what that is whereas can you imagine if you'd sat in a boardroom before and suddenly, you know the the ceo walks in in this like geeky science t-shirt somebody else is like oh sorry that's my cat another person suddenly disappears and reappears with like eating their cereal or whatever it is you'll be like oh that's not how you conduct business
0: Ox without any volume (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're on mute
1: and they can't get in (laughs) yeah um so i think it's brought in humanity but it's also challenged connection um, which I think is really important as well is that human connection, is that knowing the nuances about a person. It doesn't mean all of their life, but right? it, yeah. it doesn't have to be invasive. Um,
0: it's being genuinely interested in somebody that works with you.
1: Yeah. Like, do they have a dog? Do they have kids? What do they do for fun? Was there something they were really looking forward to on the weekend? You know, how did it go? That kind of thing. Um, so I think it's all those things. I also do think. I mean, legally, my company more than gave me enough time off around the bereavements, but I think people don't understand that when you lose someone in your life, that grief isn't time bound. Yeah. And I could, I, you know, I still get moments where I still work in, a, in the healthcare side of, of pharma, and there might be a patient story that just gets me. Mm-hmm a cancer patient and I'll just the grief comes right back fresh and new and that doesn't mean you have to be like tiptoeing around me it doesn't have to mean you have to be like apologizing when you're talking about your dad's on father's day or anything like that but it does mean if I suddenly burst into tears you're like oh what's going on check in with me see what I need and then maybe I just need five minutes to compose myself again and just experience that brief grief for a bit and then come back yeah um So I think it's lots of subtle small things that businesses need to do and I also think when somebody's not coping you need to know how to respond to that you need to have people who are strong enough to have those conversations rather than brush it under the carpet definitely Um,
0: and I agree with you 100% even though I train first aiders for mental health I think that this is a good starting point because now as a as a business you prepared for the crisis but that's not the only thing now let's think about the daily staff how can we Make sure that this is a daily conversation that we teach people how to take care of each other and themselves as well, because very often people are not even uh, aware of their own needs of looking after their own mental health. And I hadn't I didn't have a clue about that stuff until I smashed my face on that proverbial uh, rock bottom. my story is, you know, anxiety for eight years and and substance abuse and all that stuff. If somebody talked to me about mental health, you know, 10 years ago, I'd be like, get out of here. Let's have a beer. So- yeah.
1: yeah, exactly right. You, you When you're in it, I think you, you have to have almost reached that lower point and been forced to acknowledge it before you're ready to really talk about it. And that doesn't mean you're out of it either. That just means you're ready to talk about it.
0: I believe that you that it stays with you for life. It's like now, for example, first lockdown came in. I was like, yeah, I just I just have two weeks off. I just watch telly and give myself a, a nice easy time, and then I gonna go back to you know whatever I do, um, and I was working from home, obviously. But after two weeks, I was like, this is going to stay for longer. And the anxiety started coming back. And it's a good sign that it's not just you're doing one thing once and you're cured. You have to have a self-care sort of plan and doing things daily on a regular basis to make sure that your needs are met. And I would say it's a blessing in disguise because... You know that if, for example, I know if I don't work out regularly, for example, I have too much energy inside me and it triggers anxiety. So this is my motivation to go and go cycling or go to the gym if they are open. Mm-hmm. So in a way, I would say it is it is a blessing in disguise because I look after myself much better than I used to back in the days and. Um, so yeah but people are not aware of their of their needs even so i think having first aid for mental health um, team that's a good that's a good uh, move but then what can we do to prevent the crisis what can we do to teach people about their own mental health how to support yourself and people around you and recognize that somebody might need your support because then you can you can spot something in time and, and before it becomes a deep depression, somebody might just be going through some challenging times and just need an open conversation. Very often that's enough. Um, so yeah, I'm totally with you.
1: Yeah, and I think like, you know, it doesn't have to be, ex- I think businesses often think, oh, it's a big thing. It's an expensive thing. Like it's the small things and this is why it's hard to pick up, right? I do think for me, literally at some points I needed somebody to go you know what either this deadline can be extended or you don't have to be in this meeting because I was trying to do work whilst in a meeting to to do both and actually I was doing neither because you can't fully focus on a meeting or fully focus on a project if you're doing both right and it's those things it's it's the things like Simon Sinek says as well if you ask someone how they are you better be ready for the answer Whilst I'm putting a phone going between meetings. It's, hey, how are you? Looking them in the eye. There's no technology on and you're ready to listen to the answer. And it might be they're like, oh, I'm fine. And go, okay, cool. How are you really? And they're like, no, genuinely, I'm fine. I've had a great weekend. La, la la You get to know something that's great about them. Or they're like, actually I'm kind of struggling a bit. Or they might be like, oh, you know, I am okay. Just there's this project and it's a bit overwhelming. You're like, oh cool. Do you want to talk about like, you know what? I've got quarter for an hour now. Do you want to sit down and go over some stuff we can do? to help you with that and then being willing to go okay this is what i can do this is what i think so and so can do are you okay if i go approach them right because nobody asked me what i needed they just told me what i needed to do yeah you need to do this you need to take time off sick you need to leave your job you need to blah blah blah, blah. no nobody apart from that person who they'd under the desk she'd said what do you need and then she went and got it and she actually spoke to like the, the department head who's sort of on a par but not because of our reporting structures with my boss and that person actually took me under their wing a bit, and then did things like well what do you need today and she didn't <laughs> it sounds silly but we went through my schedule she's like right that meeting you're not going to I will tell them if anybody asks you if anybody gives you a hard time tell them to talk to me I have given you permission not to be in this mm-hmm. meeting and I needed that that doesn't cost money It does cost a little bit of time and intention. And it wasn't her role because she wasn't my boss, but it helped. And I think it's those small things, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think what you said that people very often get too much work. And because we still have this old sort of structure that your manager or whatever is your boss and they have the deciding voice, whatever they say you have to do, people are not always open to saying, you know, you have given me too much work because they are either afraid of how they, maybe they will be portrayed as a weak weak link in the team or, you know, I'm not performing too well or maybe they're afraid of their position. But actually that's necessary to communicate, listen, you have given me a little bit too much and, you know, I work only eight hours a day or 10 hours, whatever it is. And it happens. It happens a lot. And I used to struggle with that myself when I was younger. I would always, because I had this people-pleasing uh, mechanism in me, I always would do whatever I needed, and I never looked after myself. But now I have no problem to say, listen, you have given me this already, and now you want me to do this as well. It's one or the other, your choice.
1: I love uh, doing that at your boundary. Because, like, hands up, like, one of the reasons yeah. I had to take off of the day, is like I haven't been doing that recently, and I needed the reminder. Like, I'm a coach and I've gone through all these things and yet I still need reminding and you know what we're human and like you said we go back into those those behavior traps don't we so we need to find ways of like coming out of it quicker recognizing it quicker
0: having boundaries genuine boundaries and and stop people pleasing in your life I think that's a solution for a lot of problems in our life. And and I was guilty of that for, you know, years and years. I got this mechanism from my mom. I love her to bits, but because she had quite challenging life, I know that, you know, she was always trying to make everybody run happy, you know, all this stuff. So she, she didn't have many boundaries. And obviously I got that from her. But when I grow up, that's my responsibility to actually look after myself and reparent myself, so I realized you know boundaries are really important when somebody walks over you you don't say oh hello you just tell them to politely tell them to fuck off and leave you alone right so mm-hmm. i've learned this and you have to it's true and then you have to prioritize the relationship with yourself over the relationship with the other person even if that leads to breaking the relationship you still need to look after yourself and um, that's something that I've noticed recently because there's a lot of changes in my life and I can see my friends challenging my choices and saying, well, you don't spend too much enough time with me and doing this and that. I'm like, okay, but you, know, you don't realize that you are at home watching telly for 24 seven and I'm here working two jobs and studying at night. So if I don't call you for two weeks, yeah cool let's have a chat but don't make you know don't make me feel like uh, don't push a blame on me so i haven't got a problem now to say that but only only because i know that this is a key ingredient and very often it's uncomfortable to say that you know you you're crossing a boundary you called me a name that i'm not comfortable with or you giving me too much work or you did this and i don't appreciate it but it's it's challenging and uncomfortable in this moment, but on the other side of that is freedom. Because you and the self-respect, you look after the relationship with yourself, which is the most important. So I haven't got a problem to... And sometimes the other person obviously will think you're a bit of a dick and you're argot and all that. It doesn't matter. Because I, I wish for everybody genuinely that everybody looks after the relationship with themselves the most. And even if one of my friends or somebody I know really well come to me one day and say, listen, our relationship is not serving me anymore. Cool. I'm out of there. Right. Because that's that's sort of in line with my values. So I understand that. It's more when somebody's trying to push the blame on me. Oh, you didn't call me into it. I'm fucking sorry. Okay. I'm trying to, you know, create something better in my life. If you're not on board, pfft, sorry.
1: Yeah. I sound like I mean,
0: a prick, but you know, that's that's exactly how I think.
1: Well, I mean, occasionally know. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think this is a thing. I'd like to offer a bit of a challenge though, into some of the mindset as well, if that's all right. Because I think it's is that okay? I'm just...
0: <sighs> go on <laughs> okay. yeah go for it I'm, I'm up for a challenge <laughs>
1: um I I had that too and I thought I wasn't like this massive people pleaser but I am and I actually I love service so like I love giving I love helping others mm-hmm. too, like and I love helping others particularly when they don't know about it <laughs> which is like a bit weird but um I think that the best way to help others the reason you have to boundary is one yes you need that relationship for you and you are happier healthier more productive person a, a better teammate if you boundary and you're happy you. so you're serving by boundary yeah exactly boundarying two they get to learn from you so they will start doing the same and i you know i think i think it's great that you can tell people to fuck off and all of that but i also think there's gentler ways of doing it
0: if- oh i don't genuinely go to people and tell them to fuck off I, you know <laughs> it's yeah absolutely you you try, you try to do it in more diplomatic way uh you you ask them to take a hike or something <laughs> but if somebody's genuinely
1: it, it's even simpler than that obviously like like you were saying earlier like this is my plate this is what's for this is what needs to come off yeah. And, you know, saying to people, I, I learned this, and I use it as an analogy quite a lot. I One of my jobs when I was in university was waitressing. I really enjoyed it, <laughs> person who serves,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go.
1: Enjoy it. Um, there was a new boss who came in to a family, like, pub that had its regulars. Oh, um, are you still there? My computer's doing something. Yeah,
0: I'm here all the time.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. That's all right. Um, so I'm in this pub, family run, new persons come in and they double booked the restaurant. And I flipped out cause he put so many tables in I could barely get around and I couldn't serve properly. I couldn't collect people's plates when they were done. I couldn't ask them what they wanted next. But I think it's a really great analogy. It's like that restaurant was so full I couldn't do a good job and people went away unhappy. People went away not coming back. People went away going, what's happened? This place has gone downhill since new ownership. And if he had simply said, I'm very sorry, we're fully booked for that evening, we've got XYZ slots mm-hmm. available, or we can reserve for you the same time next week, then that almost creates this demand of going, oh my gosh, they're so busy, I've got to book ahead. And then I tell him, oh yeah, but if you want to go there, you've got to book ahead. And I think here's the thing with us humans as well. If I say to you, you know what, Sam, like I've got some stuff on right now. I want really want to get involved in this project. If you need to do it now, I can't. If you need my help and you can wait, then I can do it at this time. Everybody's happy because they've not got you doing a rubbish job. They've not got you yeah. unable to manage your workload. They've not got you doing something that's just below par for who and where you are. So I think it's you have to tell people no for the benefit of everyone.
0: Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And it's only when penny drops at some point in your life and you think, actually, this is beneficial. When you try to make everybody happy and you try to make everybody like you, it's usually the opposite. People don't respect you. People walk over you, treat you as a pushover. That was the story of my life until I was 30 maybe because I always want everybody to be one happy family. But only, only at the crisis moment when I was like, okay, my last chance. I either gonna change my life, or I'm gonna end up in a cemetery. And from that point, when I started actually respecting myself more, the relationships I have with people now are completely different. And there's there's mutual respect. There's there's there are boundaries it completely changes. I absolutely agree with you. You have to, the old analogy that you have to fill in your cup first, because then you have something to give. If your cup is empty, you, you just, you're running on fumes. You can't actually help other people, especially like when you say you choose a life of service. And I see myself similar. I, I want to teach people around about mental health and help whoever I can. So that's why I'm not really guilty because I know to do this I have to have boundaries and cut out a bit of bullshit here and there and people who are not serving me, who have, you know, toxic energy, who are trying to make me do something else. So boundaries are a massive thing.
1: Yeah, hugely. And so what do you think is the turning point? Because we've talked about that quite a lot and I'm going to turn this back on you. But what do you think is the turning point for most people to realize This is a boundary for me because not everybody's always aware of where the boundary is.
0: Well, for most people, unfortunately, is when you're on the rock bottom, when you when you fuck up your life so much that you it's like do or die. Like I I ended up in a hospital, uh, like massive sort of I started drinking so much I couldn't stop. But I think the good indicator is, is when somebody wants you to do something and it makes you feel uncomfortable. We all have the gut feeling. We all have intuition, but we stopped using it because we try to sort of run around and make everybody happy. Listen to your own intuition. And if somebody wants to make you do something that makes you uncomfortable, that's usually an indication that you should pay attention to what they are saying, how will they talk to you, what they want you to do. I believe that's that's an indication. if you if you feel uncomfortable with something, you know if something like with sales, if something looks too good to be true, it usually is. So if something feels wrong, it probably is. But it's again, that then we switch into this trying to make somebody happy with us, take a step back and think about what is what is the right course of action now for me, not for somebody else? Yeah, I would say that.
1: okay it's such, I,
0: I know it it on the surface and i and i battled with this for many years and i know on the surface it sounds like he's a selfish bastard but no actually not because i know that you have to prioritize yourself your own well-being because then you can serve more people, you have more to give, you have more time. It's like with discipline. If you don't have discipline in your life, you, people think that discipline means that you don't have freedom, and it's actually opposite. If you have discipline around your time, that means you do what you need to do when you need to do it, and the rest of your time is free. If you have discipline around money, you have money, you spend money where you have to, and then you have some left. But if you spend money on bullshit on Amazon first and because you don't have financial it discipline
1: through the door right <laughs> yeah
0: then you then you have you know you wake up and like, "Fuck, I can't pay my bills so it, it's the same boundaries are in my opinion like discipline. Mm-hmm. It might feel like it's uh, the sort of uncomfortable thing in your life to do, but actually it's it's necessary
1: yeah, I also think for someone um so i'm working on this with a few people in my life i'm not gonna say who they are because i haven't asked them if i can share yeah no. <laughs> but i have known people where i like dear gosh i just want to know what you like because i don't know you because you're always i feel like they're always doing the thing that they think that i want to do so they're doing what they perceive me to want and just occasionally it'd be great to know that they don't want to do something or they'd like it's simple like um yeah. I remember a lady in work I kept making her tea and it was she didn't like it but she never told me and I was like why well I didn't want to upset you I was like but I've just been making bad tea for a year oh my year. god
0: you like, just made my day
1: why are you doing it's <laughs> just like, oh you seem so happy when you can make me tea it's like yeah because I thought I was genuinely bringing you tea that you wanted and making your day better like life will surface here um if you don't tell me then how am I how am I gonna know and so I think from from the other's perspective of knowing someone who doesn't know how to boundary or doesn't know how to say no or doesn't even know how to say this is what i like this is what i enjoy because i think boundaries are about that as well they're not just about saying no they're about what i want to say yes to like i really want to say yes to this thing let's do it um or even hey you know that's not the thing that i would automatically say yes to on my own but because i love you i'm doing that so the other person understands why you're doing it so you can consciously choose to do something that might be like yeah. Maybe not what i would normally want to do but i'm choosing to do it and then again i think that's that's fine you've made it a conscious choice um so yeah i would say simple things for me for boundarying it doesn't have to be big scary no it could be a you know what? i really like my tea without sugar thank you like love that you're making it for me but no sugar i mean that's boundary set done
0: yeah but listening to that is Something that I probably would do when I was in like my teens and early 20s, if somebody would make me tea with sugar and I didn't like sugar, I would just drink it and shut up because I know they try to do something nice for me and I don't want to upset them. But now I'll be like, no, I just don't. It's just, the def- you know, you're not saying anything offensive. You're just saying well wow, that's just the way it is. It's just reality. I I appreciate you doing making me tea. It's an amazing gesture, but usually I have it without sugar. So for me even that tiny little thing, you know, that might be trivial for some people, I will be like, no, it's just not the way it is.
1: Yeah.
0: I guess I've I changed the
1: example, right? And I I guess it's my aim was to say our boundaries don't have to be big, gigantic knows they can be little yeses they can be little you know what I like actually is this um because how many times have, have we not told a partner something or not told a friend something you know um I value the friend that goes dude don't wear that it looks ugly
0: <laughs> like, yeah definitely
1: what is on your face right now <laughs> you know yeah. all of that kind of thing um But I think we get scared when we say about boundaries, particularly people pleasers and servers get worried. Oh no, people are going to be upset with me. It's like, you know what? Those boundaries can start small or they can start big, but they've got to start somewhere.
0: It's like Jimmy Carr, uh, Jimmy Carr, sorry. Um, What's the actor from Ace Ventura? Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey said that... um, I will paraphrase, but basically that if you're looking for acceptance, it can make you invisible in the world because that's exactly how it is. The more acceptance you look, you're looking for, the more sort of you are not yourself and you try to please people. When you when you don't care about anybody's opinion and you just yourself, you usually attract people that are your kind of people. And then whoever don't want to hang out with you, they will just sort of flake off, which is which is good. Um. I want to talk a little bit about your sort of ooh, your uh, your uh, jujitsu uh, career. Yeah. What were the biggest lessons that martial arts have taught you?
1: How have we got?
0: <laughs> However you want.
1: Um, <laughs> jokingly, move your feet. If somebody is punching, throwing stuff, move your feet. Okay. <laughs> Just get okay. out of the way being punched in the face really hurts I learned that one really well (laughs) eyebrow blocking not to be recommended (laughs) um what were the biggest things there's there's so many um and so like where I like coaching is with leaders it's partly because of the story that I've told you about my leaders not being where I need them to be it's partly because I was this very quiet, meek thing that people always underestimated as a kid. I never really felt like I belonged. I didn't understand why I had to like the same things as other people to be accepted. So like, it was a bit weird in that, like, actually, by not conforming, um, by being my authentic self, I was very lonely. (laughs) Um, And then I tried martial arts and, it was a place where I could earn who I was I could turn up train and become however I wanted to be and how whatever I showed up with was what I got back and I was the only junior on a map of adults because I was quite a big junior I was a bit too big for like the little juniors because I could just put my hand out and be like yeah come on
0: (laughs) try that (laughs)
1: Um, but that meant I was always the smallest person on the mat I was always the weakest person on the mat and quite often I was only female on the mat for a lot of my training time not always, like particularly as I got older I went into university there were more girls and then later on one of my senseis, my instructors was um, a beautiful, wonderful, terrifying, amazing woman um, who was 4 foot 11 we called her Yoda behind her back never (laughs) to have
0: the secret will be out (laughs)
1: yeah and so like stood next to her I could never go well I'm too small I'm too weak I can't do this because like this four foot eleven person has just lifted 18 stone 18 stone guy over her head like that I I can no longer go well I can't do it because I'm too little (laughs) she like just would look at me and go yeah on you get (laughs) um so biggest lessons I have learned one you have got to have honesty with yourself to grow to develop to be brave you have to first see and embrace the mess because it's there yeah. and it will not make it go away um and honestly the first thing you face on that mat is you is all of your fears that you're not big enough that you're not strong enough that you don't know how to do it and facing that fear when you're eye to eye with someone who's about to punch you, who's about to hit you over the head with a stick, who's got a chair raised and (laughs) trying to hit you on the head with it. Um, Or particularly when we started then working into like two man, three man attack scenarios, you're in the middle, you're being overwhelmed. The biggest thing is what's on the inside. That is what's going to make all the difference. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't faced yourself, if you haven't, acknowledged your demons and you don't know how to counteract them you will lose like every fight is won or lost in the mind every single one and that that means out there in your life as well and i have to come back to that lesson quite a lot in my life you know the work stuff i was like i'm fine i'm okay i don't need help i had to face it eventually you go actually i do (laughs) and as soon as i admitted it, things can get better so i think one is know yourself be honest with yourself um the messy dark twisty ugly bits we talk talk about it in coaching we call it the shadow whatever you want to call it is that is you and actually there's strength in that mess as well there is strength in your weakness but if you don't know them you you can never be everything you're meant to be Um, so there's that I think then play is just so vitally important in life
0: yeah I've seen that when you open the car of your, uh, the boot of your car
1: (laughs) (laughs) right and Mm. we talked about it earlier but it might be silly like oh you know blackout training like see like karate kids and it's all very serious but actually you have to have this play, play brings in humility as well Mm. Um, it brings in freedom it brings in letting go and it brings in a place where mistakes are okay um, allows you
0: to explore a bit more isn't
1: it yeah and you get you know like it brings in this space where losing is okay and I think that's the next thing is that we learn more through losing than we do through winning and my instructor would say this he would say I would fight these guys right the groundwork is like wrestling on the floor where strength is everything I can't be like quicker and faster and I can't be like the person that snips through this little little space here This literally like me the floor and a heavy person right <laughs> there's not a lot going for me um but if I improved each week then it would take them longer to beat me and he would say every time you lose you learn a way not to do something you learn a way out you learn a way to adapt every time you win you only learn one way and if you keep winning in the same way, you only have one way of winning. And
0: That's so I'm, good.
1: Right? Yeah. <laughs> but it's true. And I have to go back to, like every time I failed, I have learned. Sometimes I have to repeat that lesson and I'm a little bit ashamed, that like sometimes you're like, okay, we're here again, really. I need to learn this one again. Oh. <laughs> like in life, you're like, okay, that like, you know, like eating three bars of chocolate on the weekend results in weight gain <laughs> if you don't exercise. <laughs> right <laughs> like pizza and everything else um, just like oh yeah I remember that one and I also remember the exercises harder afterwards <laughs> um but yeah and it's I didn't know what growth mindset was until a couple of years ago I'd never heard of Carol Dweck I'd never heard of the theory um and I was in a course um positive psychology for coaching when mm-hmm. someone's like you know what growth mindset is and I'm like I me <laughs> And then they described it. I'm like, oh, that's jitsu <laughs> <laughs> Um because the perverse thing is when something's done, yeah, you practice it until it's good, right? And you practice until you cannot fail. You don't practice until you're good at it, you practice it until it cannot fail, which is a lot more than people think. Um and then you keep practicing that, but your focus goes on to the thing where you're weak, the thing where you need to improve. So you actively seek the thing that you are bad at so that you can improve it. And the joy is in improvement. Mm-hmm whereas in school we're trained to seek the thing we're good at avoid the thing we fail like you know if you said in school oh what are you going to do at a level and They're like whatever recording like well i'm going to do um maths and psychology because i got E's in those and i don't think i'll do the biology because i've got an a in that so i think i'm done like people would think you're crazy right but actually that's where the most learning is now i'm not advocating necessarily going and doing like what you absolutely suck at, um, knowing where your strengths and weaknesses lie and knowing your battles to win is also another one. But I think going, I suck at this, great, I can learn so much, is a really good mindset to be in. Um, really good mindset to be in. And that also then fosters this idea of going and finding others who are better at it than you. I absolutely hate being the best person in the room.
0: It's boring, it's- isn't it? No- yeah, right?
1: you're like oh and also there's so much pressure to be good yeah I love being a learner because if I'm at the bottom of the pile there's nowhere else to go but up right everything mm. is a learning day and I've done this even in dancing where like I switched from one dance style to another and I intentionally went to one of the hardest dance styles to learn where I knew it would be like a minefield and break my brain and I was people like why are you doing it I was like oh my gosh it's gonna be so much fun I've got so much to learn I'm like but you're not gonna be good straight away and I'm like yeah i know right (laughs) no i don't no i don't get it because you're not going to be good right away and you're good in this other thing and like you can pretty much in some venues have you you pick with partners and like well that's really nice and really like that but that comes with responsibility i also love being learner and um so yeah i think there's so much in martial arts so much of its mindset right um but one face yourself be honest with yourself and embrace all of who you are the dark, ugly, squishy, uncomfortable bits are super, super important. You have to know them um, because the first person you fight is you yeah. and that person knows all of your moves, knows all of your game plan and can get there quicker than you. So you better be ready for it um, in life as well as in an actual fight. Two, look for the learning and enjoy it. Enjoy it with play enjoy it with growth. Um, and three, I think like quite often we can assume something's gonna be so painful and the fear of getting it done. And I've like, this has come up time and time again when I've done things like firewalking, which I trained in last year, glass walking, other challenges that I've done, you know, leaving my job for the first time or breaking up with someone or, or communicating that boundary that you are scared about communicating. The fear comes, Right before the pain comes, right before, and it's never quite as bad as you think it's going to be when you're in it. But you've got to make that first move, yeah. And in a fight, if you stay at punching distance, so like if you've got two people, you can retreat a really long way away, and then they call in all the shots, and you're just running and they're chasing. You can stay middle distance and you're getting pummeled because you're right in firing range. And what's counterintuitive is the best way to win a fight is to go in.
0: The only way out is in.
1: Yeah, you've got to go in. And it feels, it's the first thing novices struggle with is if, if you have been left with no other choice than to fight and they're there and you can't get away easily, you have to go in. And what they'll do is they'll hang back and they keep getting like, tap them. we won't like punch them. <laughs> tap them so they know, hey, hey, you're too, you're too, you're in punching range. You've got to go in and get close to that person to be able to win in, in this martial art that I've trained in, in jiu-jitsu. You've got to be close to the centre of gravity. You've got to be close to the centre of the problem to be able to figure it out and win. And I think so often we're staying away from the thing that is inevitable but we're afraid of, the thing we're anxious about, the thing we're worried about. And that means we just keep getting pummeled by it. And sometimes you've got to face it head on, that thing that's worrying you, that thing that's bringing anxiety, that job, that conversation with your boss, with your partner, with whoever, you've got to have it sensitively with respect with you know honor and humility and all of that but you've got to do it because the waiting is the most painful thing
0: yeah most painful. i agree with you what i what i found out through my my own journey and then working with people with anxiety and other people with with different uh, conditions and learning about mental health is that uh, Obviously you go through some kind of emotional pain. So what you're looking for is safety, but that's the worst That's the worst place to be because the more you stay in the safe place, the more your comfort zone shrinks and it starts to suffocate you. And I've realized that actually, I have to step out of there for a little bit, face the fear until I'm comfortable. When you can't take it anymore, you sort of retract and then mm-hmm. the emotional overload comes down. So you have to sort of step out of your comfort zone and that builds your resilience. That builds stronger personality. And that was um, that was my way to recovery. That was m- one of the most important things because I started facing all the stuff that I put away, conversations, uncomfortable conversations with people, things that I would that I wouldn't do because it was just uncomfortable. I don't have to do it because why? Blah 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 so my one of my first steps was i was jumping on everything that i had put off for later and everything that made me uncomfortable um what you said about what you said about uh, martial arts what's really interesting about martial arts i've tried uh, thai boxing for about a year so not a massive learning but you learn a lot because when you when you start you think I'm gonna go, I'm gonna learn how to fight, I'm gonna beat everybody in the neighborhood. Because
1: so that I'm going
0: to win. <laughs> yeah, your ego comes out, but when you start learning, and especially if you have a good teacher, had bloody great teacher in London, um, you learn a lot of respect and a lot of discipline. That's amazing. It's like the moment I would walk into the yes,
1: right? no.
0: exactly. The moment I walk into the gym, it's a completely different environment. You could feel it in the, in 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 um, in the air that he would not have it any other way. And if anybody stepped out of the line, they would be punished for that. Not in a not in a you know aggressive kind of way, but just to tell them that this is not acceptable. And that's what I love about martial arts. It teaches you a lot of respect, discipline, and exactly being courageous and stepping into your fears. Ah, uh, yeah,
1: I think so. And I think it's also like. I, I love, like, the mind-body connection and stuff. And you must have found, if you are on an off day mentally, your physical form is not going to be where it needs to be. Yeah. And then you're getting punched, right? Like, yeah. you're missing stuff, you're not noticing. And that showed up time and time again. And I would have students who were very, very skilled, very proficient, very knowledgeable. But if their spirit, you know, their chi wasn't in it that day, they could fail a grading that they should have blown through. Because this and this, the, your heart and your head are not in it. Yeah. Your body's the same body. It wasn't the opponents. It wasn't the day, It was you and where you're at. I think, yeah.
0: You also yeah. mentioned the shadow self. That's the idea. I have been in love, like deeply obsessed for a while now. Um, I think it's a great, it's a sort of great way to look at life and people. And I think I think it deserves a bit more light, let's put it that way, a bit more attention. <laughs> the light the shadow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the reality is that every person has good and bad in them or capability to do good and bad things. And I believe strongly believe with the with this idea that even Carl Jung um and spirituality perpetuates that. You have to be connected with both and integrate both of them to be a really strong person, to be in control with yourself. And um, people who think that are inherently good, I think those are the most dangerous because when triggers come, when triggers come, they can't control that evil side, that that, that um sort of yeah so they just react and whoa where did it come from well you have never been there you have never explored it you don't know how to uh, control it what's your t- take on that
1: yeah i think i agree i think we're so afraid of these other sides of ourselves and then we it's almost like this little dark naughty secret mm. isn't it that's that's part of us and either we're very uncomfortable facing them ourselves or we thought we can't show them to others and I'm not advocating going out and being an absolute ass to anyone, including yourself, by the way. Like, you should not be being an ass to yourself in your language. Um, I, my argument, though, is that I don't think anyone, or at least I have yet to meet anyone who is inherently good or inherently evil. Yeah. And I think when we have that dichotomy of this light and dark, I think it's an unfair thing because that part of you is born out of you to protect It's born out to keep your autonomy. It's born out of you to enforce your boundaries when you're not doing them. And it's inherently selfish because that's how you survive. And you need to kind of harness it with other people's needs, with something bigger than yourself. But it's not bad. It's why you're still alive. It's why you're here. It's why I could do horrible things to look after me if I needed to. Yeah. Would I harness it with, I don't let that out to play unless it needs to. Like, that doesn't just break into a room full of people who are being really decent to me. Of course not, that's not the right thing to do. But that doesn't mean that side of me that can do those things is bad. That side of me protects me, that side of me means I'm fairly confident provided, like, you know, the fates and everything else are in the way, because being a black belt does not guarantee anything. um, Is that I can walk into a situation and, and hopefully walk out of it. Yeah. And knowing that side's there, embracing that side has actually got me out of some situations because somebody has looked me in the eye has threatened me and I have I have let that side out. I have let that side shine and here it's gone, I don't want to, but if we have to, let's dance. Yeah. And just that confidence, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, not that I want a fight, right? Like I'm, I, I, gosh, any fight that you go into, you've already lost. It's like one of the yeah. Um but there's that confidence because I know my shadow. I know my shadow will come up. I know my shadow is my friend actually. That that she will this part of me will come up and do what is necessary to keep me safe and then will go away again. That part of me that will help me boundary, that part of me that will say, actually, you know what? That shadow comes out when other people are being harmed as well. So I don't think it's inherently evil. I think it's uncomfortable, and that's why we don't like getting to know it.
0: It's part of being human, so it's not evil. It's just I think our desire to perceive ourselves as being good leads to that, well, I'm not capable of doing this. I accept the fact that I probably would be able to take somebody else's life in certain situations so if somebody jumps at you with a knife you probably do anything in your power to protect your life even take theirs you know even though you don't want to that would probably happen and a lot of people reject that idea say no 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 i would never do that well you probably would um what i wanted to say oh the other very very big misconceptions about shadow is that there's only evil things in there which is not true and What happens is when somebody, for example, if you grow up as a young person and you start singing because you like singing and people just tell you to shut up all the time because you sing like shit, what happens is that, you know, you have this story, well, uh, it's not good for me to sing. I shouldn't be singing. It goes into your shadow and creates sort of emotional trauma or or something like that. And it's there. And people think that, I've spoken to many people about this idea of shadow and they say, I'm afraid of what I'm going to find there. I'm like... Well, if you're, if you're afraid that you're going to find your evil, you're already aware, aware of your evil, so probably you're going to find good things in there. Have a look, because there's not only uh, bad things in your shadow, but things that you have rejected at some point of your life. Mm. So there's a lot of good that can be found through exploration of your um, shadow.
1: And we don't always know what we've rejected either.
0: Yeah, that's it. So subtle,
1: there's little things in there. And it could even be, so I had this wonderful story I did on, on my podcast with a lady who figured out at the age of 40 with her sister that her parents had always told her she was clever and mm-hmm. they had always told her sister that she was pretty. And they had they had given love, they had given compliments, but she and her sister had taken it as, she had taken it as, I can never be pretty and her sister had taken it as, I'm not clever, I shouldn't do schoolwork. Yeah. Right? And this had led to her having not some not great relationships and not really finding love until later in life and to her sister never taking a qualification. And by the way, she's now studying in university in her 40s. People can say stuff to us and we can store it in our shadow to protect ourselves yeah. without us even realising and it could have been something said with love. So until we explore it, until we open it out and examine ourselves, we can't even know what we've been hiding because we thought it was bad. And that judgment, right, all with oh, light and dark. And I kind of go back to like, if you look at the night sky, one of the most beautiful night skies is where it's clear and you can see the moon and you can see the stars. And that's in your shadow. It's all those stars, Is that moonlight. But you've got to be willing to look that.
0: Nice, I like the analogy. Well, connecting to that, it's absolutely true because I remember from my from my earliest school days, I was always told that I'm talented, but I'm lazy. And I started believing that I'm talented and I'm lazy. And I was the most average student ever. And only when I when I left home and I moved to UK at the age of 22, and I started getting interested in certain things, like reading books from psychology, I'm like, wow, I can read the whole book. I never read a book because... <laughs> Uh, Seriously, because at school, somebody tried to make me read a book about, you know, some bullshit that I was not interested in and book that has 600 pages. Now I can read 600 pages without a problem if I'm interested in it. So Mm -hmm. exactly what you say. I sort of I believe people for many, many years that I'm talented, that I have potential, but I'm just lazy. And then I realized I'm not lazy. You just wanted me to do shit I was not interested in. You know?
1: Yeah, exactly. So yeah I would basically on the shadow in a nutshell it's part of us I think it's a very valuable part of us and I think yeah. it goes back to that lesson of you need to know yourself fast and you need to know how to work with yourself because if you're always fighting it you're never gonna win
0: absolutely it's about integrating the whole the whole person and i have to say i've been through i have a friend um in brighton who's uh, heavily involved in shadow work and she sort of became a bit of a spiritual guide as well I'm gonna hopefully have her on my podcast so i went through um spiritual uh, ceremony once when that shadow work involved and i was exactly i was exactly expecting what i said you know a lot of people react i was expecting that during ceremony i'll be somewhere else fighting with the devil in in, in hell you know uh, and you know because i'm such a bad person and i and i thought about this once and this but what i actually found was the opposite i've never felt so much acceptance and, and love i know it sounds like lovey dubby sort of fluffy bullshit but love in a way of just being okay with yourself and having having this moment where everything is just fine and you accept yourself fully it was so amazing and i realized that love is not only about giving it to others but allowing yourself to accept it as well that was that was a big takeaway for me it was amazing
1: yeah, and I saw you after you come back from that and your energy had just shifted.
0: My friend said that, you know, yeah, thank you for that. My friend said that they they, they see something different in my eyes that uh, it's, my friend said, literally, it's like you reach another level of yourself and mm-hmm. you just have to keep this connection. Again, it's like looking after your mental health about this connection. You just have to keep looking after it. So it's not just one sort of, you do something once and that's it. Oh,
1: no. it's but, like, that's like going, I love like using physical analogies for myself, you yeah. get it? Like, it's like going to the gym once, yeah. once abs, right? <laughs> it's like, or even like, I used to have abs. I now have cuddle because lockdown and exercise. Um, but you know, like they don't stay. It's the same thing with being in a good mental place. If, mm. You could be amazing at it one day. And then you let stuff slip and you're not somewhere that you want to be only a little bit later. And then we've got to go back into those habits and back into knowing ourselves, back into communicating
0: better. Yeah, absolutely. I want to ask you about about your sort of things that you're deeply in love, the leadership. Mm. Looking into current situation, how companies and organizations look at leadership, and I think there's still a lot of this old uh, sort of dynamic that the, the, the manager or whoever is higher is your boss and you have to listen, you know, that's the dictator. What are we doing wrong and what do we need to do to to change that?
1: Yeah, again, it's a subtle thing. Um so I'm working on something at the moment, um, and it's it's not new, right? It's 2,000 years old. You can go back further. You can go into the Bible. You can go into pretty much any text tenant that you want to go into, and you'll find leadership, and it will save these types of things. So in Jitsu, there's something called the Bushido. Um, it's supposedly the warrior code of the samurai. It's like controversy over like whether it really was or wasn't, but I grew up with it, and I believe in it. So Yeah, there are seven virtues that i went by some people say five some people say eight i went by seven and they include things like kindness courage and they don't mean courage like facing somebody with a sword it means doing the right thing Mm -hmm. um having bravery to be have integrity humility loyalty and um gratitude, like all of these things that are in positive psychology are seen as soft skills are the tenets by which warriors lived and died. They're the tenets by which they would, you know, if they had been dishonoured, they would commit so So they they would, well, Harry Carey, they'd put the knife in their stomach and cut it off and then your mate would chop your head off if you had one because it meant you died quicker. Um, <laughs> I'm not advocating doing that, but if these guys who are one of the most feared warrior class around, Um, and you can find stuff in Roman tenants as well, but one of the most feared warrior class, and their code was courage, kindness, gratitude, loyalty, looking after those who have less ability to defend themselves than you do. All of these are coming in. Why on earth are they not the tenants of leadership? And I'm seeing it coming in, servant leadership, Um, Authentic leadership coming in, but I think we still have, like you were saying, some organisations where, it's soon as dog eat dog, yeah. So if it's dog eat dog, you need these because this is how you win. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're in a finite game, like Simon Sinek has finite and infinite. If you're in a finite game of, I just need to win today. I need to win tomorrow then fine you need these tenants if you're in an infinite game you need these tenants because infinitely this will get you further this will get you remembered and so I think it's looking at those soft skills and making them every day and I think it's that really big one of honesty because I see a lot of people who are trying to look after their stuff They're trying to be good. My boss, when I went through what I went through, was not a bad human being. They were not intentionally trying to harm me. In fact, he was trying to do good by me, but he didn't have enough of his own self awareness to see how his stories and his lenses were affecting us. Mm -hmm. And nobody could be honest with him. So, how could he know? And it was good intentions that led to the issues we had it was not bad intentions so I think this goes back to in leadership we need to learn to understand ourselves first and foremost before we can then understand others and we need to be able to be honest and have those check-ins because it might be I think I'm helping you and actually I haven't and we need it where you can tell me that and I can ask you did this actually help you or not and I get yeah. an answer and until we put those soft skills into ourselves into our leaders and into our culture I don't think it's going to fully happen and I think good intentions will lead to unhappy people
0: and I agree with you I believe that it's leading by example it's about uh, showing showing the, um, the values that everybody else should live and not being a leader is not about telling people what to do and, and, and i've seen situations um even previously in my in my job career was that you get an assy email from somebody who you think is your is your colleague and then he comes in a few minutes later and you have a normal conversation and you're like what the fuck is this all about you're sending an assy email then you come here and we're chatting like nothing happens <laughs> and they just say well i'm just playing the game that's how the corporation works and fuck you
1: might not even realize right some people like don't realize that email tone is coming off in a certain
0: way yeah but i'm talking. i'm I'm clearly talking about the situation where somebody's aware and using that to say you know i'm just playing a game well i'm not here to play the game you're you can't be for me you can't be different person when you send an email and then talk to me uh in a different way in my face because you completely haven't got my trust you know that
1: yeah, that
0: word trust trust exactly
1: so important and it's so easy to lose yeah it takes a small thing to get rid of months of work and i i would add in um i i taught martial arts and you know i was taught by other people and i was far from the best instructor but one of the things it really really rammed home for me is you can mess up like there's several instances i still remember and i hold very deeply what I did not do right by my students Mm -hmm. and I didn't listen to them and I was actually trying to encourage them I was trying to give them what they needed and I messed up because I gave them what I thought they needed I didn't listen to what they actually needed what they were telling me they needed and so I think it's okay to you have to acknowledge that it's okay to mess up yeah it's gonna happen you are human doesn't matter whether you are CEO of Amazon or of like a small company of two people doesn't even matter if you're just CEO of yourself and I do think like you know you are your own c-suite right you are your own culture you're your own leader so it's got to start here you're gonna make mistakes because you're human you're not perfect you're not at the top of your game all of the time it's how you respond to those So don't expect to be right. Don't expect to have all the answers. Don't expect to never have a moment where you screwed it up because you will. That is inevitable. It's how you respond to that afterwards. And even if you don't respond how you wanted, like there was some where I realized way too late and I can't even go back and contact that student, but I can make sure the next student it doesn't happen with.
0: It's about learning from the experience. Exactly. Yeah. And and I like what you say, nobody's perfect. It's in human nature to be you know we we are sort of we are, we all have our flaws but it's about being comfortable with that you know it's part of being human and if you try to pretend like you're perfect you just look like an idiot and you're going to make even more mistakes cuz you know you're just going to miss the learning along the way
1: own it like own your mistake cuz the other thing is one it builds trust that person actually gets respect from you and two when they make mistakes they're going to admit it yeah you know so you can fix it when they make mistakes they're going to feel comfortable doing it and they're going to learn from it they're not going to try and hide it you're not going to discover it way too late so just for so many reasons you've got to accept that those those flaws that imperfections and learn from them
0: yeah i agree so now um, before we wrap up my question is Let's plug something. Let's plug something. Tell me what you're what you're up to these days, what you have going on, how people can find you if somebody wants to yeah. fix the real, the leadership in the company. This is your <laughs> this is your minute.
1: My minute. Um, well, I've got a website. So um We're going um, to
0: put it in, in the description as well. I'm gonna yeah. add the link.
1: Um I work one on one. It's a very unique experience. I don't like doing big group sessions, I believe that it's finding the right answers for you. Um, somebody the other day told me I was the most unique coaching experience they had and not at all what I expected from leadership. It's not, I'm not gonna tell you how to do a job, I'm not gonna tell you how to be a leader, I'm I am gonna help you understand yourself and others better through asking powerful questions. Um, and also when COVID is over and done with, I'm fully qualified, fire walk, um, glass walk, instructor, board breaking, rebar bending, empowerment sessions. Um, and yeah i qualified in that last year and i fully intend to bring that into um some leadership retreats and things so if you're intrigued about that come find out um it embraces the whole idea that we need challenge in our life to be able to learn and grow
0: so in short you're qualified pain distributor (laughs) you could say yeah
1: and the medical side of me can help you get rid of that pain
0: (laughs) yeah but it's absolutely, I'm, I'm looking forward, I'm so excited. The moment when you showed me, not only shared that you're doing the fireworks and the glasswork, but also when you shared with me actually how much preparation goes into it, I have even more appreciation to the process and I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I can't wait to actually try firewalking and uh, glasswalking. So I'm looking forward to that. I can't wait.
1: It sounds silly with those things. But as soon as it's safe to do, yeah, <laughs> as soon as it's COVIDly safe to do, we'll
0: be there with you. As soon as it's safe to do, I'm gonna make you walk on glass and and Broken and, glass and, and fire. fire. Yeah. And then
1: I'm gonna put an arrow on your throat and we're gonna break that too. Don't
0: worry. Wow! Awesome.
1: But it's only the COVID part that's not safe, so it's fine. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. The rest, the rest can only hurt your feet, so you're good. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: you, you, you can live without feet. <laughs> Awesome Nat. Thank you so much for your time. I've enjoyed our conversation greatly. You're awesome. I'm sure there will be uh, times when we're still gonna do something together. I'm I'm That's I'm hundred percent sure.
1: Can't run away. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm sure our cross, our paths will cross again. Um so thank you very much for being here with me and thank you for your time.
1: You're welcome. Have a good
0: evening, Sam. You too. Thank you very much.